it's in a lonesome place you'd have to be talking with someone and looking for someone in the evening of the day those words from the playboy of the western world by the irish writer john millington singh form the epigraph to the novel that today's film is based upon the book is called in a lonely place as is the film the author is dorothy b hughes the director nicholas ray the book was published in 1947 and the film released in 1950. the book is very much a ripley type of story in that its central character is essentially a psychopath it's a thriller following that twisted mind and in that tradition uh, early in that tradition to be fair the film retains the title and the character names but beyond that it's very different uh, it's what I describe as noir-ish. It has a noir um, genre shell, but it's very much an examination of the effects of violence and trauma on two people's ability to connect and develop trust at the beginning of a relationship. It is yet another of those films that I first saw on the small screen, and it's one that spoke to a dilemma, an issue I recognised in myself in a way that instantly split me open and I think change, uh, helped me to change for the better. So welcome to the My Picture House podcast and the wonderful In a Lonely Place. So let's talk a little bit about the plot of the film. At the beginning of the film, Dix Steele is, he's an unsuccessful um, Hollywood screenwriter. He's back from World War II. Since then, you know, you get the impression that things have not been the same. He's, um, you know, traumatized very probably, but he hasn't had a successful film since before. He served in World War II, um, but he goes to meet his agent, Mel, at a nightclub. And he's basically persuaded, because he's getting desperate at this point, to write an adaptation, a screenplay adaptation of what he considers to be a schlocky, dodgy, sentimental, um, not very interesting book. And because he's drinking and he's cynical, um he's that kind of you know film noir hard-boiled character he basically um he doesn't even really want to read the book and in the um in the the bar where they are there's a hat check girl uh called mildred atkinson and she has um read a lot of the a lot of the book um but she hasn't quite finished it but she's a big fan of the book so kind of cynic cynically uh dick says you know since she's only got a few um pages to go she can come home with him um and uh, she can finish it and then she can tell him the story he doesn't really want to read the novel he's too tired to read the novel he couldn't really be bothered so he says you know will you come home with me and you can explain the the plot um as they enter uh the courtyard of the of the the building um where he lives together that's the first time that dix actually meets his new neighbor as well uh the new tenant laurel new tenant excuse me uh laurel gray now mildred does and as you know it dix is being a little bit sort of um 
a little bit unpleasant. He's been a little bit um, cheesy um, with uh, with Mildred, but um, it certainly doesn't come across that he has any um, nasty intentions or he's a bully or there's anything that, you know, she's in any kind of danger or anything like that. Um, but he's... he's um, a bit smart allegedly with her he kind of um talks down to her a little bit to be frank um so but she does um describe to him the story of this novel um confirming you know that what 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 dix really thought that as far as he's concerned the book is rubbish um but instead of driving her home which he has said he would do he gives her cab fare instead and sort of sends her on her way and it's, you know, it's it's not very pleasant. And he definitely kind of abuses the sort of power relationship between them, you know. Um, the fact that he's a kind of minor celebrity. Um, she's quite young. She's excited by the idea of sort of being involved in um, something creative like this. And, um, you know, he said he's going to give her a lift home, but he doesn't. He's tired. He's grumpy. He's feeling sorry for himself because he's got to work on this book that he doesn't respect. Um, but he needs the money and he has to do it. Um, so he gives a cab for her, sends her home. And the next morning, uh, he's wakened by um, his old friend, who's now a police detective, Detective Nikolai. Um, and he's taken downtown to talk to the captain. And we find out that Mildred was murdered. And we find out, obviously, now that Dix is the main suspect in her murder. Now, Dix remembers that um, when he was showing Mildred out of his apartment, he also saw um, Laurel. And Laurel is a witness, you know, who's seen uh, Mildred leave Dix's apartment. And he gives her name as a witness. She's called in um, to give a statement, and she does, which kind of clears him um, to an extent. And, you know, he... he he um, goes to check on her and to say thank you when he gets home, and they begin a relationship. They start there. They're you know they're obviously attracted to each other, and a relationship begins between them. And at this point, we've really kind of introduced most of the of the major themes of the the film, and these are themes that are lacking in a way in the in the book. And 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 this is what makes the film really really great. Um, rather than being a kind of a whodunit or being a detective story in that way, and it's interesting that the main character, even though it's film noir, the main character is the screenwriter. He's not the detective. He's not trying to find out um, who committed this murder. That's not really the most important thing about the film. What's important is that you've got two people who are clearly attracted to each other as the film goes on, clearly come to respect each other and love each other. But it's that question of, and, and this is in a lot of, I think, great stories, it's that question of how do you trust somebody? How do you make that leap of faith to trust somebody before you really know somebody? How is that possible? You know, that happens in, that's a lot of sort of, um, Jane Austen novels. It's a lot about, you know, in, in it's Jane Austen novels are often about sort of um, women in a situation where they need to know whether they can or decide whether they can trust a man or not before they really get a chance to know that man. 
Um, and that's what the situation is here for for Laurel. Um, they've met in this situation where where he is he is suspected of um, murder. She's not entirely certain that he didn't do it. Um, she did see the girl leave, but she's not entirely certain what happened. She doesn't know what happened afterwards. And of course, we've already established that he's a person who is prone to violence, and he is prone to violence. He's uh, he has a he's a deep well, a deep reservoir of violence um, within him, and it does you know it can come out. The scene where he um, has an altercation with another motorist. Um, it's a wonderfully done scene. Um, you think about all the sort of violence in films today, um, and it, the violence in this sort of not in this 1950 movie is much more shocking than most films today. It's it's sudden, um, um, sudden. It's brutal. You see the effect on the other motorist when he when when they have the argument and Dix attacks him and just beats him to the ground, and then actually sort of you know you picks up a rock and is going to beat the guy um is going to beat the guy in the head with the rock and has to be stopped and you, you know you, you you see this sort of like uncontrollable violence the anger the rage that he has inside him and then you put that together with this this new relationship um the new relationship and uh um laurel trying to trust him and him trying to trust trust her two also deeply cynical um damaged and traumatized people in their own way um and and that's the core of the of the film the core of the film is this and what makes it sort of a lot better than a detective stories or in my opinion much better than the book is that it, it has that core story of two people two people falling in love under difficult circumstances and trying to figure out if they can trust each other and um if they can trust each other do they really know each other um how f how far they can safely go with each other the book in a lonely place follows the exploits of um a returning world war Two veteran American returning to America after World War II by the name of Dix Steele. Now, before we go any further, we have to address this name D I X Dix S T E E L E Steele. This pretty much has to be the worst name for a sort of tough guy main character in a book or a film ever. Is right up there with Homer Simpson's Max Power um, name when he was trying to reinvent himself as a go-getter. It's the worst thing about the book. It's the worst thing about the film. Um, I don't know why Nicholas Ray kept that name. When when we come to talk about the film, Nicholas Ray kept the name Dix Steele for the main character. Dreadful name. Um, really like a sort of... A, five-year-old might come up with maybe a 10-year-old might come up with for a tough guy film noir character but that's his name dix Steele, and he is um everything else is much better than that uh he is returning from world war ii and having a tough time reintegrating into society and the, and the book follows dix Steele. um around Los Angeles 
after his return from the war. And it's told in the third person, but from a very much sort of uh, inside his head perspective. And it's a very dark book, um, quite different. The film is a very dark film too, but in, in, in very different ways. The, the book really um, is about the search for a killer. And as we read the book and, and learn more, we come to find out that Dick Steele, our main character, is the killer. Um, he has a pathological hatred of women and is a murderer. Um, this is very different to the film. We'll get to that in a little while. It's 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 a shocking book. Um, Dorothy P. Hughes's book. Um, you're looking at things kind of from inside the mind of a horrible misogynistic uh, murderer. Dick Steele has a friend on the police force, another veteran, someone he served with, who's now uh, on the police force and investigating these um, murders by strangulation that are happening around LA. And he is able to, to follow the investigation really closely through his friend. Of course, as I said, as we as we read the book, we realise that he is the mur the murderer, and um, he's a psychopath in the in the loose sense of the word. And you know, he's enjoying watching the investigation, uh, getting off on on watching the investigation. Meanwhile, uh, Dix has also um, started a relationship with um, an actress um, called. Laurel Gray, and and obviously the tension builds up as we we start to worry for her and worry what's going to happen to her. But that's that's the way the the book goes. It's um, it's it's a thriller, um, yeah, based on that idea of like almost in a Ripley way, you know, where you the main character is the murderer is a murderer. But um, Dick Steele in this book doesn't have really, in my opinion, any of the charm of a, um, a Tom Ripley and is, you know, a sort of psychosexually motivated uh, serial killer. And that's the that's the the hook of the book. That's the, the way the, the book works. When it came time to make the movie, Nicholas Ray took it in a very, very different direction. He, you know, he kept the he kept the setting in LA. He kept the names of the main characters. He kept the idea that there was a new relationship between uh, Dick Steele, this returning um, war veteran, uh, and an actress. He also kept the idea that Dick Steele had a friend who was working on um, a homicide and a murder um, of a woman. He kept that idea and on on the police force kept all those kind of ideas, but changed the direction of, of the of the story in some very very significant ways, and made something that is, for me at least, more human, more interesting, um, in some ways more. I mean, for me, definitely more deeply affecting. Certainly, uh, it is a film that I found. And I've always found that I really identify with um, and the, the the questions that it brings up and the difficulties that the main characters face, I find very, very relatable indeed.
I would like to finish the podcast, this episode of the podcast today, by talking about one particular scene or a couple of scenes in um, in, in a lonely place. They occur about two-thirds of the way through the film, I guess. They will be near the end of the second reel in um, old-fashioned speak. And what happens is that um, Dix and Laurel have an argument. They're out with friends at the beach. They have a, an argument, and he storms off. He's furious. And as he's driving off, he's not even waiting for her. She jumps in the car. Now, he's um, driving angry, as they say. Um, he's flooring it. He's driving really recklessly. You can see the speedometer climbing. You can see her feet sort of pushing into the floor um, and how worried she is. She tries to placate him. She tries to make the situation better by lighting two cigarettes, one for her and one for him, and trying to hand him a cigarette, which he refuses. And um, this being Humphrey Bogart, um, and pretty much all the characters, he, he like all the characters he played, he was a chain smoker. Um, he refuses this. He his refusing it is a really big deal. And um, he's all over the road, driving way too fast, and he causes an accident, fairly minor accident, but causes an accident with a guy in another car who's um kind of preppy-looking guy, sort of a American football player, college student type, who comes over and calls him a few pretty innocuous names. And um, once the guy mentions anything along the lines of sort of maybe I should knock your block off kind of thing, Dix is immediately out of the car, grabs a hold of him, and he just beats him to the ground with right hands. Um, and he just keeps hitting him and keeps hitting him after he's on the ground. And um, Laurel is in the car screaming for him to stop, but he doesn't. And then eventually he picks up a rock and he's holding the guy's head and he's about to smash the guy's head with the rock and... Uh, Laurel screams, you'll kill him, and he stops. And he gets back in the car. And um, they drive on a little bit, and then they stop. And he then sort of, um, she's really upset now, and he's trying to placate the situation, you know. Um, and um, she's sort of saying, well, are you proud of what, what you did, you know? And he's saying, you could have killed him. And they're saying, no, I'm not proud of it, but it also wasn't my fault. I've had a hundred fights like that, and they're never my fault. And, um, you know, it's not that big a deal. And, you know, he just shouldn't speak to me like that. And he's in a much better state um, at this point, um, all that anger having been sort of released. But he's also trying to justify himself. But you can see in that moment um, that everything has sort of changed for her. Um, remember, he's being investigated, there's a suspicion that he may have murdered somebody. And now that she's seen the violence that he's capable of, um, she's never going to be able to unsee that. And um, I, I've said in this podcast that the, you know, the relationship and the precious nature of the relationship that they have and that they're building is the center, it's the heart of this film. And it is. When I saw it first, um, when I was a, a much younger man, when I saw it first, it was this, this, these couple of scenes, these sequences that really had an impact on me um, because I hadn't really seen as good a depiction of violence, not in the sort of modern sense or in, in the sense of sort of realistic violence in terms of the how it physically looks, but the, the act of violence, how sudden it is, um, how brutal it is, how shocking it is, um, 
how a person can lose control and having her there watching it you see the effect it has on other people um and i you know because of where i grew up and when i grew up um had experienced certain amount of of, of violence uh, and of fights and things and there was a time when i was younger that i may have been in a sense one of those those kind of men who would have said things like you know i've never started a fight and yes i'd had quite a few um and there was always that um disgust afterwards and that fear of what people would think about you and the sorrowing of everything that comes um after sudden and, and sort of extreme violence and and that um i hadn't really seen captured as well um ever uh, in a film until i saw in a lonely place um and i'm not sure i can think of certainly just sitting here now i can't think of examples that are really any better um i would love for people to maybe contact me and um let me know if you can think of um other really good examples of, of that kind of thing thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast if you are enjoying the podcast um there are a few things you can do if you can if you want to and if you have the means to you can go to the Ko-Fi website um, and you can leave a one-off donation to help support the work that I'm doing here. That's um, ko-fi forward slash mypicturehouse. You can like the page there and you can, as I say, make a one-off donation if you have the means to do that and if you'd like to do that. Um, if you can't do that, and I completely understand if you can't or don't want to, um, what you could do instead is um follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it now right now whatever platform you're listening to it on um whether it's itunes or spotify or google or Castbox, um like it follow it subscribe to us whatever it's called on the on the app that you're using um or the platform that you're using and please do that right now um also if you have been thinking about giving the podcast a review uh, i'd appreciate it if you would give the podcast a review right now um obviously i'd love if it was a five-star review um but you know as long as it's a an honest review um then i'm i would love to love to hear any and all reviews um I would also just like to hear from you if you're listening to the podcast and you've been listening to the episodes up to now then i will bet that you're the kind of person who has some stories to tell about films that have had a huge influence on your life or um what the cinema has meant and does mean to you um and you can share those stories if you would like you can follow me on twitter at picturehousepod and or you could email me at so you could email me at picturehousepod at gmail.com and send me your stories and I would be very, very happy to read them and share them if you if you would let me share them. Um, so yes, 
with all that said all that remains to be said is thank you so much for um your time and your support i hope you're enjoying the episodes so far we're going to keep going we're going to um make things as good as we can and you can by doing the things that i've just talked about uh help to to make better things happen and to make the podcast bigger and better and it is something that we can all do a little bit together but for now slán august bannock and um thanks again um this is jamie lynch uh talk to you next time bye